0: Paper. Paper. Yeah. Terrifying. Again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hi, Roman. Hello, Pasi. How are you doing? Good. Good, and you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. So, hi everyone, and welcome to the episode number one of the Strictly Anti Podcast. We've got a lot to cover today, Um, so the main topic for this episode um, is going to be iOS versus Android since we work on both platforms, and that should be quite interesting, but first we wanted to cover some news and stuff that has happened in the...
1: Yeah, as traditional, uh, we're going to do a bit of a follow-up. First of all, we wanted to thank everyone for the very warm warm welcome we had.
0: Yeah, it was fantastic to see so much excitement about this, even though it was just a 10-minute audio snippet more or less but yeah um, i'm really curious to see how people react to the first real discussion that we're going to have this this time with real show notes and everything
1: yeah exactly um and the only small bit of real follow-up in the intro we said that or i said that i thought that not talking about podcast in podcast was a real thing and curiously this week i found real proof uh, I don't like to talk about other podcasts on podcasts because that's kind of lame. Sorry everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah, but um as Alex said in uh, from our team, I think since we both can deal with recursion, it shouldn't be a problem to uh, you. No, uh, once a in a while discuss one. other podcasts on here.
1: <laughs> okay, so some news of the week. I think we could start with something really exciting for the main topic of the podcast, which is that Apple finally open source Swift. And I wanted to talk about this because Pascal, since you are very active in the open source community, I wanted to to know your opinion. I've heard a lot of praise uh, about how Apple is handling this and how they are dealing with pull request issues and this this kind of stuff. But you know, I, I've done a little bit of uh, open source, but not like professionally, and I'm doing air quotes here. So I would like to know what what do you think about Apple, how how this is going?
0: Yeah, I was I was really pleased to see how they handled it. I kind of expected them to drop a table onto opensource.apple.com at like the thirty first of December or something. I mean, they said by the end of the year.
1: The expectation was because of how they've handled uh, open source in the past, like Darwin and uh, some of the um, what's in it? WebKit. That's how they've done it in the past, isn't it? Yeah, um,
0: I don't actually know what the current story about WebKit is, to be honest. Um, yeah, but I mean, I- even, I- it still seems like Apple is very fragmented internally and in how they handle this stuff. So for El Capitan, the open source releases still haven't made it to even their website, the stuff that they normally post. So it's been, when was that released? I think in September, right? So people are still waiting for the um
1: Yeah, I think releases. that's the case,
0: yeah and then, well, I think the expectation, the general Adobe expectation maybe? was, maybe, yeah, but it, it's been a while, um, even though I still don't have it on, on my computer here. Um, yeah, but I think the general expectation was to, to see a tarball dropped somewhere and no real open source. And instead, they actually went for a GitHub project, even an organization, um, and didn't just open source the compiler, but... Um, Also the foundation library and maybe you can tell me a bit about this because I don't really know what the Implications of that
1: when they announced that it was going to be open source back in I think it was uh, May in the uh, WWDC this year um, People really thought that they would open source the compiler and many people thought well This is going to be pretty useless because most of the really interesting thing about Swift is the libraries that Apple actually ships with Which is what makes Many people actually love Objective-C, me included. But it hasn't been the case, so many of the types and utilities and classes, all of that is being open-sourced as well, right?
0: Right, yeah, and I think they've dropped the NS prefix for, for all the objects in there.
1: Yeah, actually I, I tweeted about that the other day. Uh, now when I do Swift, I tend to drop it myself. So for example, if I want to create a URL object, in Objective-C you would always do NSURL, whatever, and in Swift, for some reason, I tend to do just URL. Um, so
0: can you already do this? No, or no you really? need to do an <laughs> URL. Yeah, this is going to be really confusing then.
1: So what about issue tracking? I've heard that they are not using the, the one built into GitHub, right?
0: Yes, that's right. They have a separate issue tracker, um, even so though they had some. Yeah, maybe. I haven't actually looked at that one. Okay. But I mean, that's, that's a sensible choice. If they have an um, existing workflow, uh, and they haven't used GitHub for that before. But does make sense because github is very fairly limited um, when it comes to issue tracking um they were trolled quite a bit in the beginning which is a bit sad but also not not unexpected the really unexpected bit here was that uh, they also included the entire history so you can actually go back to the very first commit that what was
1: that 2010 was it I don't have I think the first commit goes goes back to 2010 yeah Was it Chris Latner who made that one I don't know yeah, maybe but that
0: was really cool to see so uh, seeing uh, programming language evolve over time that's that's
1: a nice thing to have i read that one of the first pull requests was to change their license type to <laughs> did you see yeah, that one yeah Right. <laughs> um
0: they, they've handled it pretty professionally though referring to their code of conduct oh that nice. they actually have with the project so um yeah i like that and they've also changed some of the language to not be um disrespectful so they changed some terminology there away from master and slave to other terms okay that's very nice
1: all right anything else you would like to add on this topic
0: well yeah um, I'm, I'm still not convinced when it comes to Swift but I'm definitely gonna keep an eye on it and probably give it a try I'm gonna see if I can get this to run on Linux I saw that there was already um, built for Arch Linux which I run at home But there were some dependencies which I couldn't resolve, so I couldn't check it out again. That was just um, on the same day, so I wasn't really expecting to get it to work right away.
1: I personally am looking forward to seeing some nice uh, web frameworks based on Swift.
0: Oh, yeah, this is going to be interesting. That'll be really nice. Yeah.
1: All right. Right. So anyway, let's not focus too much on this project because I'm sure we'll be talking about this in the future and even in the next uh, section where we'll be battling on iOS versus Android. So the next, just to change subject and company a little bit, I see here that you wanted to talk about uh, Google Play to require the ad status on this. I I knew about it. I I was surprised you, you added it because one of my apps that I've got on the Google Play Store, I had to do it. Oh, you um, got the email as well? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I found it interesting because I haven't read or heard anything about it on any other podcast or even blog that they wanted to require this. But I found this to be quite an interesting change. So they obviously, same as iOS, sh- already show you if an app has in-app purchases. But now they go even a step further and require you to specify whether or not your app is ad-supported
1: but that is not the change that happened right now because when i clicked on the link i jumped into i had already specified that for my app that it uses ads so i think the real change is that it's going to be mandatory now and that they're going to start showing a badge next to the right
0: yeah so yep. i think they require you to make that change until the end of january okay so you still have some time and they will obviously not show it before that okay. otherwise people are just going to sit it out yeah, but um I think this is this is really interesting. Um so right now we have this split between apps that are either fully paid, have inner purchases, or are supposed to be free, but actually usually contain a boatload of ads, especially on Android, where the situation is particularly bad.
1: Do you think this will benefit developers that uh charge but uh So charge an upfront price, but don't have ads. Do you think it will benefit them or people will just keep going? People will just get blind to that patch of um, Have it containing ads and it will not make a difference. What do you think? Very
0: good question. I don't really think I can make a good prediction there Um, So what's definitely going to happen is the really ad-free apps are going to see a bump and there are some of those on, on Android. So some developers just build stuff for fun. I mean, the same same is goi- going to be the case on, on iOS. But then someone, someone else sits on top of them in the rankings but h- includes pop-ups and those full-screen ads and still receives more installs.
1: And another question. Uh, what do you think is going to happen with apps like Twitter or Facebook that they show their own ads? Will it affect Facebook, for example, that they show ads? Will they need to mark their apps as showing ads?
0: I should have read the um, the policy there that, that Google yeah, has have changed because they must have had something in there to, to clarify this. So it can't just be, yeah, well, if you include the AdMob bundle, then you have to specify well, it, and if you do it on your own.
1: Even but Google I mean, would need to mark their apps as displaying ads, right?
0: Yeah, the Google app definitely shows ads. It's, yeah.
1: it's Gmail as well. Right?
0: Yeah, like native, native ads in particular. So where do you draw the line there? Yeah. Um, Kind of as soon as you receive money for displaying content is that is that enough to to qualify for this
1: so once again I'll, i guess we ha- will have a bit of a follow-up uh on this in the future when they actually implement the the badges on displaying ads yeah okay shall we move on sure okay the next topic i've got here uh is about dropbox um shutting down mailbox and carousel there was a bit of a backlash on. On the internet and Twitter as well Twitter the platform not the company by the way disclaimer what do you think I uh, did you use any of those two apps? I have
0: not I gave mailbox a try haven't really used it much I think I've only used it for a couple of days but did you have I, to queue
1: to get mailbox all the time
0: I think I had to yeah but it was pretty short time I yeah it was
1: pretty late cool. so have you
0: have you used it at all?
1: I was really excited about the idea of mailbox in the end, the integration with Gmail wasn't as good as I wanted it. And then shortly after, Gmail released Inbox, exactly, which is, yeah, which is what I use at the moment. I know That's many people do don't I like that. it, but I'm really happy with it. It's replaced my task management apps. I don't use any. I just use rem- re- the reminders. Do you use oh. this
0: news feature there as well? I
1: I do use it a lot, yeah, Um I find that I can manage email much more effectively right. uh, thanks to that.
0: Yeah, so um, s- same for me. I-, I like this news feature a lot that was in Mailbox, so I wanted to use it just for that. But uh, the integration with the original GMAP was pretty lackluster, and I think they released a desktop at, app at some point. But I don't really like native apps for for that kind of stuff. I really want to stay in my browser. That didn't work for me.
1: And I guess Carousel, you'd use probably Google Photos, right? And I do. Yeah, yeah. I give it a try, but I didn't think I didn't think it added any value apart from a nicer. Wait to see your the pictures you have stored on Dropbox so I didn't I didn't really use it much
0: yeah so I think it's interesting from a company perspective so Dropbox seems to try to regain focus uh, um I, th- I could see mailbox kind of fitting into their enterprise focus and productivity focus that that they have but photos in particular seems like a pretty long shot from there so shutting that down makes a lot of sense and mailbox i I think it just probably didn't get the, the the traction that they were hoping for. And also, they're now competing directly with Google and Inbox, and that's um, they definitely have more competence in that area than, than Dropbox. And I wouldn't want to compete with Google when it comes to, to email.
1: Yeah. OK, let's move on once again. Um, we've got a c- couple of things here regarding Announcements from Apple. Oh, first of all, if you haven't, please update all your Apple devices to the latest iOS nine point two, Capitan ten point eleven point two, Apple WatchOS two point one. Um anything from Apple you can update. They released them all in one go yesterday. Uh I was I'm mentioning this because apparently they ha- they have some really nice improvements on airdrop, which has been a bit of a pain in the path. So Give it a go, let's see how it goes.
0: Oh yeah, and there's also Android uh, 6.0.1, obviously only for Nexus devices at this point, coming with a new emoji. I don't have it yet, I don't want to flash my device just to get some new emoji. I think there was something else that they've included. I think they've rearranged um, the navigation icons on tablets, but yeah, I I won't see that on my phone.
1: Okay. Anything to say about the Apple battery case that they released yesterday? It's gorgeous. It's beautiful, isn't it? it?
0: I wish I could use this with my Nexus 5.
1: Yeah, you can probably retrofit it somehow, and
0: (laughs) no one would notice.
1: Yeah, no one would notice. Beautiful. All right, and very quickly, I want to talk about uh, this rumor that uh, Mac Rumors and some other Apple websites picked up uh, regarding Apple ditching the 3.5 jack connector in the next iPhone. Um, And the reason I want to talk about this is because you, Pascal. you buy a lot of headphones <laughs> I, do. I don't know how you manage but you buy tons uh, do you have a subscription on Amazon or do unfortunately they,
0: they don't offer a subscription for these I would totally get one if, if they had okay <laughs> yeah it's just that I break them all the time um, the the jack at the bottom at some point just uh, at some point just breaks for me and yeah. I have to get new ones because I, I I have like maybe 30 pairs of headphones at home that uh, only work on one side at this point
1: yeah, that's one of the reasons why I don't see Apple doing this. I don't know if you guys can picture the um, the Lightning connector, but it's pretty pretty long, and it's got a processor inside. And if you had to connect a jack, uh, sorry, uh, a Lightning, your headphones through the Lightning, there would be this massive f- massive connector that would be. It wouldn't sit comfortably in your pocket, and when you sit down or things like that, it would very quickly very quickly tend to to break and snap there's some people having this problem with the Apple Pencil. Uh, you can quickly recharge it from your iPad, but the posi- you know because it's hanging off the iPad, any bit of pressure can make it snap and destroy it can potentially destroy your the, the lightning connector on your iPad. So I don't see them doing that because of that reason. Also, I'm not sure the size of the connector because it would need to include. By the way, you can already connect lightning uh, Headphones, to yeah, that's some Philip one. Philips yeah, ones, yeah. Philips right? has some of those, but if they released an adapter to connect to convert from lightning to 3.5 millimeter, that would need to have a DAC uh, to to power up the, the signal, and that would be massive. Like, I don't really see them doing it.
0: Yeah, the reason why I don't really believe in it is that USB-C is kind of getting traction as well. I don't know if they will ever integrate that with the iPhone, but if they did that would mean all the new headphones that would be released afterwards uh, that come with a lightning connector would then be completely useless again or would need another adapter just to work with USB-C.
1: Yeah, exactly. The other possibility is that they just want people, maybe they've cracked the Bluetooth headphones uh, problem and they're going to release some an amazing pair of bluetooth headphones that they want they they will bundle with the iPhone and they want everyone to use and they will i don't know h- h- do you have any um bluetooth headphones no i've tried them um i really want to i really wanted to to like the um, b&w p5 wireless um i
0: bought myself some really really cheap ones like 20 quid or something just to give it a try and see how I like it and (laughs) how fast they would break. I mean, they don't have a jack, so um, they might actually last longer than my other ones. And it's okay. I use them at home for listening to podcasts. When I walk around, I don't need to to pay attention where the cable is hanging and open any doors or anything with that. Um, I think they're okay, but I lose connection all the time. For example, if I just go down if I like squat to pick something up I lose my signal every single time really? I don't know what it is yes some for for some reason this completely absorbs the the bluetooth signal
1: it's because you're really tall Pascal <laughs> <laughs>
0: might be because of that but it's incredibly annoying and well I, it, it happens all the time so for podcasts it's not that bad but for music it's, it's really annoying yeah. if you just have gaps there in between all the time
1: or watching videos or playing games you have this bit of delay that doesn't help anyway I think some of the time we can talk about our ideal sell- pair of headphones, what it should have and how they would sound and the features they should have.
0: Yeah, let's do that. But now let's get to the meat of potatoes of this one here, let's and that it. is the iOS versus Android debate. So I wanted to talk about this, but from a different perspective from what we hear most of the time on other podcasts, which is, okay, there are different stores and there are different review models, and the quality of dis- is different between the device. So I don't want to really talk about the, the user. Um, user side here but really talk about developer experience yeah and so we both work on on mobile apps full-time I work on Android you work on iOS you have the additional benefit of having worked on Android before so you have a good comparison even though uh, I would say things have changed quite a bit since you've left yeah but but still you have a good overview
1: yeah let's start from from the beginning I think iOS development started with a really a massive head start from Android. Android development lagged uh, far behind for, for a really long time. Oh, yeah, for sure. And um, some of the main reasons uh, and very obvious ones that anyone can relate to, the emulator, for example. For a really long time, just running the apps on on your development machine was a... I was going to say it again, pain in the... Beep. But, yeah, like the hardware acceleration from Intel, you know, this hacks what's it name H-A-X something? H-A-X-M, yeah. yeah, I don't So this thing you install that, that makes the emulator run much faster these days, that didn't exist for a really long time? There were actually two parts
0: to this. So in the beginning, they only had um, the images that were ARM-based, so you had to actually run a full emulator that yeah. would emulate ARM on, on your x86 machine,
1: and that's obviously quite expensive. And yeah. then at some point, Intel. It may be worth, so the difference between the simulator, iOS simulator, and the Android emulator, basically any simulator or emulator, is that when you are developing for iOS and you run run the, the app in this simulator, the Xcode, in this case, compiled for your, for a- x86 uh, binary, so it runs natively, even though, uh, you know, it's just a... In a smaller screen, uh, in a smaller window, uh, simulating the the device's screen. Whereas on Android, like Pascal was saying, the emulator it grabs the same code that it would run on the actual device, and it emulates the architecture, which is much more expensive, right?
0: Do you want to? Yeah, that means they actually have to translate the the machine codes that are sent. Yeah. So yeah, that is quite expensive. But then, Intel um, released some Android. I think they started with tablets, but I'm not sure. I think they've release some um, x86 based tablets so they've ported Android to run on x86 and so we then had the (laughs) the benefit of being able to use those images for the emulator as well and I don't even know if the term emulator is correct then if because at some point they also had x86 64 um, images so that meant you wouldn't actually have to emulate anything there's just a virtual machine at that point
1: yeah and that takes Installing this Intel plugin that takes advantage of some of the native uh, yeah, well, virtual machine emulation That's always
0: specific, yeah. On Linux it was um, always a lot faster.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things. For a really long time you would need to be running things on your device. And it's still not solved though, because there's, there's
0: still one major drawback that we have on Android compared to iOS, and that is you still have this, this actual copy, the full OS running there, inside of either virtual machine or an emulator. And so, I think Jake Wharton published a blog post about what he would like to have, um, I think, over a year ago. I saw that. Yeah, that was, I think we should add that to the show notes. That was really good. I think it's still pretty accurate, even though the situation in general has improved because of the speed bumps and everything. But so, one thing that happens is you still, if you want to run any application inside that emulator, is you have to bundle this entire thing up. So even with all the improvements that they've made to the incremental compilation and everything, you still need to, at the end, create a zip file um, that contains all the assets, push that onto the um, virtualized device, and install it there, replace the old one. And just that very transfer of that package to the emulator takes way too long. So I think if, if I use it with a physical device or the emulator, it's over 10 seconds if i use genymotion which is a pretty popular alternative to the official emulator it's still maybe 5 seconds and there's no way around this mm-hmm. unless you run some some really clever tricks on the on the device itself to for example swap out resource fa- files if you detect that they've changed so now with android studio 2.0 no, i don't know if you've seen the uh, announcements there um, they actually do exactly that. So yeah. they, they push incremental updates without replacing the, the existing app, and they can do this for, for resources, so you can move things by a few pixels and see the result directly on the device with maybe one or two seconds delay. That is uh, that is incredible if you compare this to to the experience that developers yeah. have at the moment. And it also works for code changes. In some cases, it would restart the activity, which is like the current screen that you're on. And sometimes it would even just patch single methods in there to the degree that that's possible.
1: Yeah. That takes me to my next point I had in my list, that uh, for a really long time, developing on Android meant having to install this plugin for Eclipse, which (laughs) was pretty horrible until two years ago, Google decided to release this flavor of IntelliJ called Android Studio which for a really long time was an alpha, uh, even though we decided to adopt it here internally. Now it's pretty good, isn't it, Android Studio?
0: It is really good, yeah. So it's based on top of IntelliJ, and it's just a remarkably good IDE. So I've actually purchased a private license for myself at home because I was doing some some groovy stuff, working on a Gradle plugin. And it's it's a really good IDE. And I say this as a almost lifelong <laughs> Vim user. So pretty much as as far as I can think, I've always been using Vim. Um, but only because they also have really good Vim support inside IntelliJ. So the refactoring possibilities there are quite, quite amazing what you can do. And they've also, uh, they keep adding Android-specific stuff, which really m- makes a huge difference.
1: Yeah, whereas on iOS, from the beginning, we had Xcode, which has many downsides. It crashes very often, and it does very weird things. But I don't know. It always felt very self-contained and very built for the purpose of developing for Mac or, or iOS. And great support. Um, any problem you would have, you could always find answers. Yeah,
0: well, this is the one of those things that bothers me the most. So the um, the lockdown development environment that you have to use in order to build anything for, for iOS. So even if you completely hate IntelliJ, it's like, I'm not gonna type anything into an editor that is based that is running on the JVM. It's not gonna happen. You can still do everything. So, I mean, writing Java in Vim is actually, not the nicest experience, because it's just so much boilerplate that you can generate if you if you have an IDE supporting you. But maybe you have your own IDE that you prefer. You can still get everything done. All the individual tools are, are available, so you can go down as many levels as you like. So there's Gradle, for example, which I actually run from, from the command line directly for, for building everything. But even if you hate um, Gradle and you want to use Maven, there are plugins for that, there's even AND stuff. And you can, if if you if you're completely crazy, you can directly compile your stuff with Java C, um, merge the assets together, use AAPT for your resource management, and then push the um, APK file to your device. That's entirely possible. And with that,
1: yeah. But how many how many people do want to do that? Oh, I've I've
0: seen some talks uh, from from people who actually code their stuff in Vim because they refuse to use an IDE.
1: I know, but it's the same thing as always, right? Like ease of like kick off a project like really on ios xcode you launch it and that's it like i don't know if i for example if i'm working with some backend developers and i want them to be able to test the how the apis work with the the real apps i would always suggest first to install xcode and just run the ios app rather than Get oh, that. yeah, definitely. I, I wouldn't go and enumerate all the options that the people have in in order
0: to get my app running, but I would say, yeah, this is how you do it. Yeah. And that might include um, Android Studio or most of the time here use Gradle because that is the easiest way to mm-hmm. get things to run on your Gradle machine. Gradle was such a great addition to... Uh, to oh, Android yeah, Android. absolutely. It yeah. was really, really good that they um, standardized on that one.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, another thing that really used to piss me off was the really bad documentation. I would open so many classes on Android, on the Android documentation that would be undocumented, completely undocumented. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's much better now these days, but Apple's documentation has always been fantastic. Totally
0: agree, yeah. Even if I sometimes just look something up because of a crash, I was always surprised how well the documentation for all of the Apple stuff is written.
1: But Especially the support library. How bad was that on Android? Oh, the Jesus. Yeah, that, that was, was terrible. They, have, they hadn't documented a single
0: of those classes, right? No, but I, I still find myself reading a lot of code. Um, but I can read the code, so that is another one of those big benefits that you have I on can Android. With
1: Swift now, so Pascal, I don't remember. Oh, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's a big change, at least in the future. Um, <coughs> yeah, but is it going to include the like UI kit or whatever you use? I don't use? know. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I would be surprised if they did but to me that makes a big difference because if you go so i've worked here on, on video stuff and you won't you will never find documentation even on, on, on the apple side uh for the nitty-gritty in internals there and being able to go deep down read the code not only just the java code but even the c code that is that is backing the the native um, mm-hmm. bindings there is incredibly powerful and so i'm, I'm really Happy that we have the option there to go to Android open
1: source project and just check out
0: the underlying. Yeah,
1: that is great, and I've done it in the past as well, and it's useful, especially to know when you when you want to do something tricky with UI stuff like animations or things like that. It was a really good place for examples. Yeah, it's not an excuse for the terrible documentation, yeah. though. And then finally, I've got uh, three or four things that I want to cover in one go because I really want you to tell me that. All this has changed, and all of these are related to the fact that Android was initially an OS that was designed for BlackBerry-like devices, and all the fancy stuff the iPhone added was an afterthought—an afterthought on Android. For example, um, the fact that. At the beginning, some of the most-asked most, uh, most asked questions about Android on Stack Overflow was, how do I disable screen rotation? <laughs> Man.
0: I'm pretty sure it still receives daily uploads. Yeah, yeah.
1: Another thing is um, out-of-memory errors at the beginning, especially decoding images and things like that. Why? Um, anima- animations, they were so hard at the beginning. Probably we should have Philip at some point here. Philip is an Android developer we have here, we work with that is really good with animations and, and e- video. And video. He's very passionate about this. And it'd be fantastic to have him. Absolutely, we yeah. should do that. And also the lack of Android UI guidelines. Um, Apple, from the very beginning, they had a documentation on, OK, we would like the platform to look like this. These are some of, some of our examples, our apps, more or less are consistent um, Android there. they were all over the place Absolutely, even, yeah. even Google Apps and then developers just did whatever they wanted all of them looked different many people tried to mimic the iOS look at the beginning which was, I really despised it um, so these th- few things that the fact that Android Android, the, the what do you call it, the sugar coat of Android was a bit of an afterthought uh, do you think that that gave Android this reputation of being harder and more difficult um
0: yeah, I think the first point that you brought up there um is still noticeable, and that is it wasn't really designed to be an OS as interactive as as iOS, so it was meant to, this entire platform the the framework was built for with something completely different in mind. so you have that activity model there, and for people who don't develop on Android, that is I think pretty close to to a web page like an HTML page that you open on some remote server. It has a URL, so you can kind of open that w- via an intent, what it's called. And, well, if you go to a different activity, which is a screen, it can reload this entire thing. And the th- same thing happens if you rotate your device, if you change other configuration variables, like the, the language, which is quite interesting. So that triggers a configuration change. I think on uh, iOS, it pretty much reboots the entire UI if you change the language. but. Um, how many yes, times do you actually change the language while your device is active? Yeah. <clears throat> that, that makes things fairly difficult to work with because you ca- kind of see this trend, or you have seen this trend on um, on the web where apps became more interactive and you wouldn't actually request new pages and refresh this entire thing, but things kind of state interactive you have the single page applications and now we have kind of the same thing coming up on android where people kind of try to get away from the activity model because it's slow it's unflexible it usually means a worse user experience because you switch between states it requires a lot of serialization all the time which seems like a really stupid thing to do on an embedded device if you just serialize an object a possibly very large object just to deserialize it milliseconds later.
1: What is the name of this uh, framework that Square uses that moves away from the activity model?
0: Um, there are multiple components to this. So there's Mortar and Flow. And Flow is kind of the component that just implements pretty much basic routing system or the, um, a back stack, which you, ha- which you have both on, on iOS and Android, where you can say, OK, yeah. if I go back from here, then I get back to this screen. So it's a pretty basic implementation. And Mortar is a bit more involved. I haven't really looked at it lately. Um, there are varying opinions about this one but it is just one model that you can use to use a single activity to power your entire app. But it's something not used a lot. It's fairly difficult to wrap your head around because there's obviously not a whole lot of documentation given that it's uh, very much in flux and not used by many people. So yeah, I, I kind of hope that more people will um, explore this space and come up with come up with better solutions. I'm not entirely sure if I expect Google to come up with something um, soon. I was hoping for this to happen um, before the release of um, Marshmallow and even Lollipop, but they ended up just kind of putting more more stuff on top of the existing activity model so that you could, uh, for example, specify shared elements between different screens so that you can transition between them and keep an element visible. So that is something you obviously can't do on the web if you actually change the page but it feels very tacked on it's very inflexible and if you just look at the amount of boilerplate that is required for this and the actual results of that in apps it's all not particularly convincing
1: okay so we've we've spoken a bit about the the past um what is the the current state of the art um I can say very briefly that on iOS, I'm still very happy with how things are evolving. I've had the chance to work with uh, Swift quite a bit lately, and it's really nice. In terms of the frameworks, Apple keeps uh, refining the frameworks. For example, just to give you a quick one, um, I've recently learned that now it's super easy to have um, in a table view. It used to be a bit complicated. You had to do a bit of maths if you wanted to have rows that have different heights um i've only just learned that since ios 8 and thanks to auto layout uh, that is very easy and mo- the, the the framework takes care of most of it by the way also auto layout also i'm having the chance to to learn it properly that uh fixes one of the things i used to like much more about android than ios which is the way that you lay out things on android Um, I'm a big fan of Auto Layout now, I must say, Uh, even though I I still think that uh, the system that Android employed from the very beginning was a correct one. It was really appropriate for the the task, but Auto Layout is so easy and so intuitive at the moment. Um, So I would like you to tell me, as a full-time Android developer, what is your impression of the framework where things could improve? What areas are solved? Which ones could keep improving? um, Which ones are still a pain point?
0: I can't really think of anything that I would consider solved. (laughs) Definitely still. um, At least
1: like a 1.0 version.
0: So I think things are improving at a much accelerated uh, rate compared to what it's been before. Uh, Android Studio 2.0 looks really exciting um, the the build speed improvements that keep coming with every gradle release They seem to have really um, They seem to have hired a lot of people working just on tooling that is really exciting to see because that was always Really lackluster. Yeah.
1: What about frameworks? I don't know.
0: I think the open-source community will have to come up with something I see a lot of excitement around uh, RxJava and in general reactive primitives um, and also, Kotlin seems to um, seems to be getting some traction, which is an alternative language that um, runs on the JVM, and it's designed to be compatible with um, with Android. So it has a really small runtime, and yeah, they don't really try to be too clever to implement completely new things. That would that would require a, a larger runtime or method overhead, that is really is still really important on Android. So, yeah, that that's quite exciting. I still have loads of things on my list here to discuss, so I'm pretty sure we're going to pick this topic up again, maybe in the next episode or the one after.
1: I think probably some of the time we can have a couple of guests, um, some someone giving us a, a different point of view on iOS and on Android. That could be really interesting.
0: We also really just covered the high-level topics about the frameworks and everything, and it's I would also really level. like to talk about language and framework-level differences. Yeah garbage collection or tracing garbage collection versus Ayad Arc.
1: I had that in my list because uh, I was surprised by your comment the other day but you seem to be very knowledgeable so I really want you to explain about that. We're going to wrap up here. Uh, Thanks everyone for listening. You can find Pascal at...
0: At Passy on Twitter.
1: Yeah, you can find me on Monchote M-O-N-C-H-O-T-E
0: and we would love to hear feedback. We are at Strictly Untyped on Twitter. And you can also find us on SoundCloud directly if you like.
1: Yeah, you can find us on SoundCloud. We are now listed, finally listed on iTunes, probably overcast.
0: PocketCast. And on Pocket
1: Cast. Yeah, exactly. And we would love, as Pascal said, we would love to hear your feedback. You can, If you like us, you can rate us or you can recommend us on your favorite pod- podcast app. And We'll see you very soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.